We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for July 5th, 2009, live from our studios in Fort Myers, Florida. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. Got a little carried away there. Uh, anyway, so we're going to continue the study on the Hebrew Roots movement, the Christian Zionism warning that we've been doing, and this is just amazing information. That's all I can really say. Uh, and this is, again, I want to remind people, if, if they're listening to this for the first time, and if they are, they need to go back and listen to part one. But this is an extremely highly referenced report that I'm quoting from. I am not making this stuff up that we're going to be talking about um, regarding quotations from many of the people that are very prominent within the Hebrew Roots Movement, or many of the, quote, rabbis or teachers that are part of this movement. I'm not making this up. This is I'm the the document will be posted and it already is posted in the PDF file format and you can go look up the references yourself because there's a reference after each chapter. There's like 10 different chapters and we're only through the I think we're only into the second one right now. And uh j- just amazing information. We're going to continue and um this is this section's entitled, you know, supposed errors in the Bible. Other Hebrew roots and related groups make the excuse that there is error in the Bible, which must be eliminated, promoting their new translation called the Book of Yahweh. Oh, good. So now we have to have another Bible, too. And they've got, it's called the Book of Yahweh. The House of Yahweh stated this regarding the Scriptures. Many phrases, evidently the House of Yahweh is the ones that put out the Book of Yahweh, and they say, quote, many phrases have been deliberately mistranslated in order to hide their true meaning so that scripture would not bring to light the deceitful teachings of the established and popular religious organizations. Now, do you realize with the first sentence I've just read from the quote that they just read, if that were true, then we might as well believe in evolution. We really might as well believe we evolved from a rock. Because if our if all the Bibles out there, and I'm to, I'm in reference to the King James, they just made a blanket statement here, a blanket statement about every other translation, including the King James, that they've all been deliberately mistranslated. Now I do believe the ones that spawned from the 1881 revised version of Westcott and Hort, the two occultists that were derived from the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus, that were corrupted manuscripts. I do believe, yes, they were they were deliberately mistranslated. I mean. Let's face it, the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus had so many... There were, number one, there were huge chunks of Scripture that were missing in both, and wherever they did contradict, which was in hundreds of places, they just said, well, we'll just choose the Vaticanus whenever the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus contradict. We'll just choose the Vaticanus. I mean, that, that's a really great scholarly way of writing a Bible, or, or translating a Bible. Well, that's the way it was written. And that version of... The revised version of 1881 has spawned virtually all of the modern-day translations that we have to this day. So, in that regard, yes, I, I believe that was a corrupted translation, but they just make a blanket statement here and say that many phrases have been deliberately mistranslated in order to hide their true meaning. In other words, here we get into the notion of Gnosticism. See, there's this hidden knowledge that only the rabbinical or these teachers in the Hebrew Roots Movement, or the uh, Jewish religion, or Judaism, there's only one, only they can know these things to teach us their true meaning. 
And again, Gnosticism is is essentially the root of all occult. I mean, the word occult means hidden knowledge. The word Gnosticism essentially means the same thing, hidden knowledge. And that's the carrot that Satan puts out in front of people in order to get them to go into their respective religions, whatever that cult may be. Um, Then they go on to say, so that scripture would not bring to light the deceitful teachings of the established and popular religious organizations. The alteration of Yahweh's scriptures either by translating or mistranslating, has caused the true work which his prophets spoke of to be hidden in most of the translations of the scriptures, and has been damaging to those who are searching the scriptures for the way to eternal life. Now again, if you believe this, you might as well just walk away from Christianity. You might as well just do that. Now, understand, I, you know, I've gotten a lot of, of resistance on this teaching. I know I've lost probably a lot of listeners over this. And, again, I've said this before, but my life is not a popularity contest. And if, if I end up losing, you know, 95% of my listeners over this, which I'm not, I don't believe I'm going to, because there's not that many that are adamant about this particular thing. But if they choose to refuse the obvious truth, that I'm just pointing out here, that's, you know, that's their prerogative. They can do that. But this quote right here, understand yourself. When you yoke yourself up with this movement, this is what you're yoking yourself up with. It's inescapable. You, you, you are, this is just one of the many groups that are spewing forth these types of blasphemous heresies. And a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You can't just dabble in this and not be affected. It's like kind of trying to dabble in witchcraft. Or dabble in any cult. And this is cultic. This is another gospel, what we're talking about. And the Bible says in the New Testament, anyone that brings another gospel, let him therefore be accursed. So when you, when you voluntarily put yourself within this movement and embrace their teachings, you are bringing yourself and or possibly your family under a curse. Let's just read that last sentence again. Has caused the true work which his prophets spoke of to be hidden in most of the translations and has been damaging to those who are searching the scriptures for the way to eternal life. In other words, what they're saying is they have the way to eternal life, this book of Yahweh. None of us do. We're all deceived. In fact, what does that imply? That implies we're all going to hell as Bible-believing Christians. If you believe in the death, burial, resurrection, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, He shed blood to pay your sin debt. If that's what you're trusting in, if you put your faith in that to get you to heaven, this is overtly, not really subtly implying that, that that's not true. They've got the way to eternal life. What is the way to eternal life? Through the Through the true meanings of these deliberately mistranslated words in the Bible. They're going to show us the way. Whereas the Bible says the prophecies prophecies of God are of no private interpretation. But that's what you get here. That's what you get with all cults. They want to privately interpret the Bible and then add to the Bible and then take away. So... Again, is is this confusion? I mean, if you got into this and all you were grounded in the teachings of the King James Bible and in your um, the ways that that you biblically approached things, you were grounded, you were set, 
And all of a sudden, you, you start getting into this. Do you see how much confusion is going to come into your thinking pattern? We're going to continue this quote, and it goes on to say, However, the most damaging error in all the scriptures was the error of removing Yahweh's name from the very scriptures. He inspired to be written, and writing in its place the pagan titles of gods and Satan himself. Wow. Wow. You talk about an indictment against Christianity, against the King James Bible. Because remember, this is a blanket statement. The most damaging errors of all the scriptures was the error of removing Yahweh's name. So we don't even know the real name of Jesus Christ. Therefore, how do we call upon him whom we, whom we do not even know? Not only that, not only are they saying it's a fake name, but they go so far as to say that writing in its place, the place of God, writing in its place the pagan titles of gods, of gods, with an S, not God, but gods, and Satan himself. So in other words, when we think that we're calling upon Jesus Christ, no, we're calling upon some pagan deity or, or, or Satan himself. That's what they're saying. Uh, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ rebuked these devils. The, you talk about a damnable heresy. There And, and we're going to get into the whole sacred name issue. That's a whole other subject. That's a whole other teaching that will be part of this. I'm not going to go down that road yet because that's a whole other thing we're going to get into. We're going to see if if um, if that's really the case because that's all tied up together. All the stuff about the supposedly using the sacred name, supposedly celebrating all the feasts and the Sabbath and the hexagram and all the stuff that adds to scriptures. You know what? It's all tied together. It is. It's all tied together. Then they go on to say, because of this grave error, in other words, putting pagan titles of gods and Satan himself where Yahweh's name should be, because of this grave error, those who are calling upon the name of gods and Satan, those who are calling upon the names of God and Satan, even though ignorantly are actually worshipping the gods and Satan, for they are not calling upon them with the name of Yahweh. End of quote. So, hey, everybody, just so you know, people that are in the Hebrew Roots movement, a lot of them believe this. That when we use the name of Jesus Christ, or, or, or if we don't use the Hebrew equivalent of Jesus or Jehovah, whatever, that we're calling upon the name of Satan and God's. And, and God's capital, you know, God's little g, pagan gods. That's what they think. So all they believe that all the Bible-believing Christians are actually calling upon Satan, invoking pagan titles, when all along they were calling upon God. Now, again, we're going to address that subject uh, thoroughly. As thoroughly as that I'm addressing this, we're going to address that eventually. The Bible says in Proverbs 13.13, 13, that whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. 
Isn't that weird? Proverbs, the book of wisdom, and then 13, 13. 13 being the number of rebellion, twice. The, what's, what's the greatest rebellion that you could ultimately have toward God? Despising His Word. If you think about it. He said He's magnified His Word above His name. That's what the Bible says. He's magnified His Word above His name. You know, in the beginning the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same in the beginning was God. All things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. This Word, and then the Word became flesh, Jesus Christ, and dwelt among men and they beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten Son. Okay, so when you despise His Word, you despise Jesus Christ. He is the incarnate in the written. It's like He's all in one. They're intricately tied together. So, if this doesn't despise the Word of God, I don't know, if that last quote that I just read from this blasphemous... uh, uh, House of Yahweh, who I guess is put out the new translation, the Book of Yahweh. If that isn't rank blasphemy, I don't know what is. If that's not despising the Word of God, what they just said, I don't know what is. If that's not undermining the faith of every single person that would read that, or trying to undermine the faith, it's not going to undermine my faith. That, that, that really should get you mad. Righteously indignant. Be ye mad and sin not. I haven't been able to keep from getting mad doing this report. It, it's been constant doing this. It, it's just unbelievable what they're saying here. Psalm 19, verse 104 and 105 says, Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Well, that's what we just read. That was a false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. See, do you believe that? Because if you start believing this garbage that I just read, faith is gone for you. How can you have faith when you don't even believe it's the word of God? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Well, if you believe this garbage, you don't believe you have the word of God. In fact, you think it's blasphemy now. Pagan titles we're calling upon. Gods and goddesses, who knows? Satan himself. And only these rabbinical, messianic, Hebrew roots movement, rabbi, rabbis have the truth. It's confusion. It's blasphemous. And hopefully you can see why I've been so moved to expose this rank, total, utter blasphemy. Going further, in his article uh, by Jacob Prash. Now, I get a lot of people afforded me emails from this from this guy. I believe he has Morell Ministries, maybe. I, if I'm wrong in saying that, I don't know. But there's a lot of ministries out there that are, are, let's say, they're end-time oriented, and they're very, very, uh, this whole Hebrew Roots Movement stuff oriented. And you'll see them out there. They say they're Christian, but they have the hexagram up on their site, and, you know, the highest form of witchcraft, the highest 
uh, witchcraft symbol that exists, the hexagram, six-pointed star. And Jacob Prash, who a lot of people follow, he wrote an article called Explaining the Midrash. And he stated that we need to know the Midrash and the Jewish thought to rightly understand the Bible. Now again, the Midrash is this totally extra-biblical book of oral traditions. And uh, this quote here, I'll, I'll just read you this quote from him, Jacob Prash. But Matthew, meaning Matthew the uh, Apostle Matthew, but Matthew appears to take the passage out of all reasonable context and twist it into talking about Jesus. So now Matthew's twisting scripture. We have to ask, is Matthew wrong? Or is there something wrong with our Protestant way of interpreting the Bible? I'm not a Protestant, just to let you know. And you as a Bible-believing Christian shouldn't even align yourself with saying, I'm a Protestant. The Protestants came out of the Protestant Reformation, which came out of the Catholic Church, starting with Martin Luther. I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't. I'm a Bible-believing, born-again Christian. Okay? I'm not a Protestant. And there's a really great book written by, it's called The Faithful Baptist Witness. Now, this isn't, to me, it's not an issue of Baptist, Lutheran, whatever. It's not a denominational. But what um, Dr. Stringer does, Dr. Phil Stringer wrote it, Faithful Baptist Witness. I think you can get it even up on Amazon. And if not, just kidding. The Faithful Baptist Witness. If you want to know the roots of Bible-believing Christianity, get that book. Because... Again, it's not about, okay, let's glorify the Baptist. Yes, he, he does make a very good case that a lot of the true believers continued with the Baptists. Now, the Baptists have been very, very much corrupted, okay? Um, as, as all denominations have been. And that's why I really don't align myself with, with just about any of them. And I'm not saying you couldn't go into a Baptist church and get saved. Uh, or even a Pentecostal church. Actually, I got saved... Um, well, I got saved by reading the book In Route to Global Occupation by Gary Kaw. But I went into a, Protest, uh, a Pentecostal church, and I believe I could have gotten saved at that point in one of those churches. I'm not saying that God couldn't do that, but to be saved into doctrinal error is not the ideal way to do it. I think we would all agree with that. So, we don't want to stay in that error. But if you really want to know about the the, um, the the lineage from the apostles, and again, it says in the book of Acts that they were first called Christians in Antioch. And coincidentally, Antioch also has a lot to do with where the King James Bible ultimately ended up coming from as well. This this there's a there's a separate line of of Bibles, and in a way, there's a separate line of supposed believers. And what a lot of people do is they just love to lump true born-again Bible-believing Christians in with the Catholics and or any other denomination that would tend to believe that we get to heaven through works. But particularly the Catholics. They just love lumping us. Oh, you Christians, you killed and slaughtered more people. You know what? Who the Catholic, One of the main people the Catholics were slaughtering were true born-again Bible-believing Christians. So please don't lump me in with them. But see, it's so convenient. It's so convenient for them to do that because then they can just say, they can point the finger and put us all in the same basket in their own little mind in order to justify their own wicked actions. It's a cop-out is what it is on their part. 
it's done a lot though. So if we go further, he goes he goes on to pose the question: Is there something wrong with our Protestant way of interpreting the Bible? And now again, do you see just from what I've read how this Jacob Prash guy is bringing such doubt on the scriptures? Was is Matthew wrong? Well, if you start getting these thoughts into your head, what what it undermines everything about your faith. Well, if the Bible's not right, then what do I really believe in? Well, evidently these rabbis have the way and they'll show you the way. I'm telling you, it's it's a damnable heresy what we're talking about. And it's one of the main heresies that the New Testament warns against, particularly regarding the Jews and the Jewish religion. Okay? Because that's what they were primarily trying to deal with once Jesus Christ was crucified and the apostles, and then Pentecost happened, the apostles went, and we talk about the book of Acts. One of the main things they were dealing with right off the bat were the religious Jews trying to bring the converts that were into Christianity back into the Jewish religion. They came in to spy out our liberty. Now, we're going to be going over all those verses. And, uh, well, most of them. Yeah, just read the book of Galatians. You know, I mean, I would really think if you were a Hebrew roots person, you would have to just totally throw out the book of Galatians. And again, there is a big sect within Christianity that um, believe, or not Christianity, but pseudo-Christianity, that believe that everything that Paul wrote is bad. They call him Paul the usurper. And there's a lot of people that teach that and believe that. And again, what are you doing here? You're undermining the scriptures, you're, you're undermining the faith uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And once you start to go down that road, how can you get saved if you don't believe what you're... Your reading is the word of God. How, how do you how do you put your faith in something that you believe has is riddled with errors in it? You see why I'm so angry about this? This goes on to say, so is there something wrong with our Protestant way of interpreting the Bible? There is nothing. There is nothing wrong with Matthew, and there's nothing wrong with the New Testament. But hold on, he just heavily implied that the book of Matthew is corrupted. Didn't he? Didn't he just say that um, Matthew appears to take the passage out of all reasonable context and twist it into talking about Jesus? We have to ask, is Matthew wrong? And then he goes on to say there's nothing wrong with Matthew. Well, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So maybe that's his little way of backpedaling. But he wants to inject that thought into your head. Then he goes on to say, but there is something wrong with our Protestant mentality. In other words, we need to have this Jewish mentality. We don't need a pro, we need a Jewish mentality. There, they, it says they were reading a Jewish book as if it were a Greek book. The first step is going back to reading the Bible as a Jewish book instead of a Greek one. Oh, so now he's straightening us out. So now, referring to the Midrash, Mister Jacob Prash says, "Quote: It takes the wisdom of the ancients to really understand these things." End of quote. Oh, so now we have to have this private interpretation of the wisdom of the ancient, of the quote, wisdom of the ancients. And, and I, I'm sorry, I, I thought the Holy Spirit all along would, would teach us and show us the way of truth. I mean, that's what the Bible says. That's why Jesus said, is it expedient that I must go? For when I will go, I will send the Comforter. He will teach all these things and bring into things into your remembrance which I've taught you. 
a lot of times people ask me, well, how do you know all this stuff? And I say, well, a couple different things. The Bible is very clear that, that if you believe that the Holy Spirit can bring these things which the Lord Jesus Christ has taught you through His Word into your remembrance. Claim that verse. Have faith to believe it is done in your life. And you'll be surprised how much all of a sudden you start recalling. I mean, I don't really... Yeah, I've done a lot of studying. I've done a lot of studying. But a lot of this stuff, it's just there. I mean, I just give the the Lord Jesus Christ the credit. It's it's already been there. The Holy Spirit brings into my remembrance. Um, But there's another verse that I think is prior to that that will strengthen and it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. So, it's hard to do sometimes because it's hard to acknowledge Him in all thy ways. But I try to go out of my way to give the Lord Jesus Christ the credit and acknowledge Him in all my ways because I want Him to direct my paths. Because if he's not directing my paths, who is? I don't want me to be doing it because I'll mess it up. And I sure don't want a Satan or demon to be doing it. Not to say that I walk around in sinless perfection or anything. But we should strive for, for, for perfection. Um, but he's saying we have to have the wisdom of the ancients to understand these things in Scripture. Now, let's go further. The wisdom of the ancients bears an uneasy resemblance to ancient wisdom, which is the esoteric term used by occultists for the words of gnosis or mysticism. Gnosis, gnosis like, like Gnosticism, which means, you know, hidden truth or hidden, hidden knowledge, I should say. Not really hidden truth. William Kingslands wrote of this wisdom in his book, it was, t- it was titled, The Gnosis or Ancient Wisdom in the Christian Scriptures, or the, or the Wisdom in a Mystery. This is dangerous stuff, I'm telling you. You start getting into this, there's a lot of Christians that are into this stuff. I'm just saying, be careful, all these hidden meanings and the stuff in the Bible and all these things that you have to have, these special codes to figure out and all, you know. I'm just saying, be careful. He goes on to say, um, when I speak of Gnosis, now this is this guy, this William Kingsland, who wrote this book, Gnosis, or Ancient Wisdom in the Christian Scriptures. He says, when I speak of Gnosis, I do not refer specifically to Greek or Coptic variety, but to that ancient wisdom, which can be discovered as a thread of gold running through allegories, myths, and fables, from the very earliest times of which we have any literary records, and which has more recently been somewhat more fully expounded to us by some of the existing, quote, masters of wisdom. Whoa, now that really got my attention. Because when we say, he's saying that the masters of wisdom have been some of the ones that have really recently expounded. What is he referring to here? I'm telling you, if you've heard any of my teachings on the Ascended Masters, that's one of the main things they call themselves. The Masters of Wisdom, the the Ascended Masters. 
the wisdom of the ancients? Telling you right now, when they make their big debut, with most likely Lord Maitreya at the at the head of them, and we've done several teachings on Maitreya, just go to the the search box on my homepage and key in part of the word Maitreya, M-A-I-T. That's all you gotta do is just key in part of the word you're looking for, and it'll search all the teachings. At this point, we have over 300, so it's you really need to do it that way. You, you wouldn't want to try to just go through and try to find them. But, that will find those teachings for you. But these, these masters of wisdom, I immediately thought of the Ascended Masters. Now, the Ascended Masters, when they do make their big debut, are going to basically... One of the main things that they've said they're going to do is is straighten all of the people on the planet out, particularly the Christians, on how their religions have misinterpreted their respective holy books. The Bible is going to be the main one they're going to focus on. And they're going to show us how Jesus Christ was nothing more than one of them as an ascended master. And they're going to bring some dude with them who calls himself Jesus Emmanuel, Jesus Sananda Emmanuel, and he's going to look like just all, like all the Jesus pictures on on we got from the Catholic churches. You shouldn't have those things up in your house. Let me tell you that right now. You shouldn't have that garbage up. The Bible says the Godhead is not like that of gold or silver or precious gold or graven images or graven art. It's not like that. We shouldn't be having... Because why? Because man has a tendency to want to worship it. You bring one of those things into your house, you're bringing a demonic spirit in. Number one, the Bible says, it is, doesn't nature therefore itself teacheth us that it is a shame for a man to have long hair? Why would Jesus be portrayed with long hair in all those pictures? Number one, that's not Jesus in those pictures. That is going to be the exact looking figure that makes... The, when, when this stuff starts to go down, most likely in conjunction with World War III and who knows what else is going to happen in conjunction with this. We're going to have these, these masters of wisdom come to the forefront and say, hey, listen, we got it all figured out, guys, but you got to do it our way. And we're going to, they're going to come as men of peace, particularly Maitreya. Just like the Bible said the Antichrist would come. He's going to come in peace. And they're going to confirm a covenant with him. And uh, the vast majority of the world are going to be extremely deceived. And they're going to come with all lying signs and wonders and miracles, just as the Bible predicts. So they're just not going to come and, and have, you know, they're going to have a fireworks show that they're going to bring, essentially. They're going to be able to do all kind of stuff, you know. Call fire down from heaven and, and things of this nature. It's going to be really impressive. We're being prepped right now. Um, and they're going to also come with what we know as the modern day alien movement. They're going to be able to come and explain that in their twisted and warped way. And most likely it's going to be good cop, bad cop. They're going to have the good ones and the bad ones, just like Hollywood portrays. There's good aliens, there's bad. I believe that's going to be tied in with this. This is the strong delusion that God said he was going to send in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. For I will send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie that they might all be damned or receive not the love of the truth. The love of the truth. Are you embracing the love of the truth? Are you embracing the King James Bible? The sure word of God? 
Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, if you think that the scriptures have all been corrupted, then it's nothing but darkness for you. You can't trust it. You might as well throw up your hands and walk away. That's what they're trying to get you to do. That's what Satan is trying to get you to do through these types of movements. Whether it's Hebrew Roots, whether it's Seventh-day Adventist, whether whatever. And I'm going to do one on Seventh-day Adventist too. Because they're just about as insidious. Yeah, Taylor, Taylor reminded me too, and I've said this before, but the, a lot of the ways Jesus is portrayed is, um, with one of those halos over his head, which is really technically considered an Egyptian sun disc, which is what they put over their, you know, it's, it's a pagan symbol, totally pagan. So when you have the long-haired hippie version of, of supposedly Jesus, which is gonna look identical to one of these, this ascended master, and I've said this before, but what they're saying, the, the position that that particular devil is going to take, most likely in the form of the false prophet, will be the head of the, quote, Christian church under the one world religion. And they, there's been many occult sources cited, including Maitreya himself, who has said that Jesus will take over the um, preeminent position of the Catholic church meaning the Pope, meaning he will be the head of the Catholic Church, which will be then the head of all religions. And when they come of all lines, signs, and wonders, all the other supposed Christian religions and denominations, all of these 501c3 corporations are going to go under this umbrella. Now, I'm not saying there's, there's not going to be an, uh, 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 hopefully an exodus out of some of these religions before that happens. But I'm telling you, for the most part, people are going to fall for it hook, line, and sinker. They're going to choose to believe the line, signs, and wonders rather than the word of God. Another thing that they're going to do to deceive everybody, and I've reported on this, is they're going to, and this is some of the, this is something that happens to people that get abducted. Let's say that they're a pseudo-Christian. What are they shown a lot of times? They're shown a holographic image or version of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Why would these supposed gray aliens and things of this nature be so concerned with that? Because that is the one thing that defeats them. They were defeated at the cross. Okay? But if they can get you to doubt that the cross ever happened, and then you get into the whole heresy of um, holy blood, holy grail, and, and, and um, the Da Vinci Code, and all of this garbage the lost tomb of Jesus, where they're saying Jesus was never crucified. All he was, he was an ascended master, just like us. And essentially he went and, and he went and had children with Mary Magdalene. And this is the 13th line of the Illuminati called the Merovingian bloodline. You know, it goes on and on. I, I'm telling you, the deception is so thick. And at so many different levels, they can try to get you. You have to trust in the word of God, in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And that's why I get so angry when I see such a subtle, but this is really isn't subtle, this is pretty overt, attack against the scriptures. And understand the Hebrew Roots Movement, this is one of the main ways they undermine people's faith, is by attacking the word of God. Because, hey, they're the experts, right? They were the ones that, that know how to read Hebrew. What do we little peon Christians know? That's what they try to get you to think. Don't fall for it. So, 
again, I mean, this is pretty amazing when we have Jacob Prash saying it takes the ancient, the wisdom of the ancients to really understand these things. And that wisdom of the ancients is integrally a phrase tied in with the ascended masters that I've done several teachings on that will be one of the main delusions that God will permit to come in the end times. And again, one of the main ways that people are going to be deceived is through the line signs and wonders. Jesus warned against not seeking after signs. He warned about that. He warned about that which is highly esteemed among men as an abomination in the sight of God. So you just have to really bear these things in mind regarding the days and times that we're moving into. So, are Christians unable to understand the Bible's teachings about, quote, this ancient wisdom? Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise, making wise the simple. Statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of God are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. But again, you start getting this Hebrew root stuff, you know, you're going to doubt everything you're reading in Scripture. Well, I wonder if, I want, oh, I've got to go back to the Hebrew to understand that verse, or I've got to get a rabbi to interpret that verse for me. What does this really mean? Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and his heart departed from the Lord. So what about other sources of Jewish thought regarding the Messiah, the kingdom of God, sin and salvation? How do teachings expounded from the, quote, ancient wisdom compare with the New Testament teachings? What differences may be found between the inspired Old and New Testament and the Mishnah, Haggadah, Halakha, Talmud, and Midrash? Has the Holy Spirit equally inspired these other sources that we've just cited? And obviously, no, he hasn't, but we're going to look at that more in depth. Avi ben Mordecai of the Orthodox Sephardic Jews concurs with the Hebrew Roots teachers that the ancient Jewish teachers of the law hold the answers. He says, quote, Since Shal followed Messiah Yeshua, who also taught the oral and written Torah, I submit at this time in my life that we should be following in the footsteps of Judaism's greatest teachers of G-D's law. Now this is another thing you see a lot. They never write the word of God out. They write it, they say, they believe that it's too holy to, to spell out, so they just, they, they write G-D. Because they're, you know, they're so much holier than us, and they know the truth, and that we shouldn't ever speak the name of God. Now, where does it say that in the Bible? I just, you know, I'm, book, chapter, verse. Please let me know. I don't see a Paul doing this, or any of the apostles. I'm talking New Testament here. Well, that's, that, you know, I guess it makes them feel holy or something. They think that, you know, wow, look at me, I'm really spiritual. I'm not gonna, you know. Well, I'm sorry, but this makes me cringe when I see that. But that's, as a side note, 
that's something they do a lot. We'll be talking more about that in future studies. And then he goes on to say in this quote, I believe that Judaism's ancient scholars and sages were far more knowledgeable on the oral traditions than we could ever hope to be. Well, they probably were. But to be quite honest, I could care less about any oral tradition of Judaism. All I care about is the Word of God. That's all I need. I don't need all of this other garbage. This is the very thing that Jesus Christ indicted the Pharisees and Sadducees for. And we're going to read that whole quote from Matthew where he indicts them about putting burdens upon men that that are too great to bear. They added to the Word of God all of this extra extraneous garbage that was never even in the Bible. Why? Because Satan was using that to bring their followers into bondage. Um... And he's got a whole link on Avi Ben Mordecai. Now, a lot of these teachers that we're talking about here, if you go up to this site, um, it's seekgod, I believe, .ca, seekgod.ca. You could go, uh, somebody emailed me about Michael Rood the other day. His last name is spelled R-O-O-D. And uh, he's one of these Hebrew Roots guys. And I mean... <laughs> This guy has committed so much blasphemous heresy that, and there are so many articles that document this, you could go up there, just key in his name, Michael Rood. I mean, it would probably take you a week to go through all the articles and read them on this one guy. It's just documentation of their actions, okay? And you could go up to this site and uh, just key in just about any Hebrew Roots guy that you want, and it'll give you a full, several, usually full exposés on them, so you can, you know, see what they're, they're teaching. I can't, obviously, I don't have time to do all that, <laughs> but um, we're, we're trying to, to kind of um, hit the big points here with this teaching and then move on. So, in other words, rabbinical scholars are saying much the same thing as the leaders of the Hebrew roots and Messianic movements. According to these eminent scholars, the Bible, both the old and the new, is an heir and insufficient in itself. And therefore not easily or correctly understood without the aid of select knowledge and insight from the written and oral traditions of the Hebrew rabbis and scribes of old. So, in other words, we've got to have these oral traditions. These Now, what is, what is their main oral tradition? What is the one they hold in highest regard? The Talmud. What was the first Talmud written? The Babylonian Talmud. The Babylonian Talmud is more blasphemous against Jesus Christ, and we've already given you the quotes, than any other thing I have ever read in my life. Other than some of the things I've heard Satanists say about. It's right on par with what a Satanist would teach about Jesus. Right on par, if not worse. So we've got to have these oral traditions, the Talmud being at the very, very top, and the oldest of the Talmud being the Babylonian which speaks so blasphemously about Jesus, we've got to have those very same oral traditions in order to interpret the word of God? That is insanity. That is blasphemy. Don't these people have any fear of God? So if we go further... uh, Among the ancient Jewish writings which we urge you to study, the Talmud is regarded by the Jewish people as equal to the scriptures and some even more important than scriptures. Remember, I had 
quoted from other sources, many rabbis, many modern-day highly regarded rabbis, that the Talmud is the modern-day Torah to them. It is, you know, it's, 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 it is held in higher regard than the first five books of the Bible or the Old Testament. It's just like any other cult. They always have some extra biblical thing that they bring into the mix to corrupt it. And I'm telling you, this is a cult. I didn't start out saying that, but it is. This is a cult we're dealing with. Cultish teachings. It's no different than the Seventh-day Adventists or the Jehovah Witnesses or the Mormons. I think it's going to take more people down, ultimately to hell, than any of those other religions. But... um. It's, it's beyond adding to the Word of God and, and beyond taking away from the Word of God. Going further, many... Oh, okay, let's go further. It's noteworthy that an article published in the final print of the Jerusalem Perspective, written by David Biven, of the Jerusalem School of Synoptic Research, or JSSR, and who is so popular with the Hebrew Roots Movement people, this J. David Biven, Jerusalem School of Synoptic Research, um, he goes on to say, this is written in kind of a disjointed way, Let's just go right to this quote that this David Bivens says. He says, quote, Students of the Kabbalah... Now, this is a guy that's very popular within the Hebrew Roots. Now, I've already got some replies back from people trying to defend their position on Hebrew Roots. And they've said, well, I don't, I don't, we don't get into the, into the Kabbalah. We, 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 we studied the Midrash, and the, but we don't get into the Kabbalah. As though that justifies everything. Remember, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. What was leaven originally referred to by Jesus Christ himself in the Bible when relating it to the apostles? The doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Isn't that the exact thing that this whole teaching is about? Literally, these are the modern day Pharisees and Sadducees. What we're talking about in the Hebrew Roots Movement. These, these, this modern day Judaism religion, which bears no resemblance to Old Testament Levitical um, Bible beliefs. It doesn't. It has so much added to it that it's not even a... It's a totally separate, different thing. But even in Jesus Christ, when he walked the earth, they had added to and taken away from the word of God, the Pharisees and Sadducees. And Jesus Christ called them vipers and serpents and you know white and sepulchers full of dead man's bones. They were taking people to hell with them. They were adding to, taking away from the word of God. And this David Bivens says... Students of the Kabbalah speak of parties, P-A-R-D-E-S. Now, this is a guy that's very popular in Hebrew roots, and it says, which is an acronym derived from the initial letter of each of the four terms, P-R-D-S. According to the late Professor Gershom Sholkam, pioneer researcher in the field of the Kabbalah. Now, remember, the Kabbalah is the highest form of Jewish mysticism witchcraft. 
It is where you will ultimately end up if you go into this Hebrew Roots movement and stay in, let's say you start out in the Midrash or whatever, you, you, the Talmud, and then you go and you eventually Satan will keep bringing you along and Satan will keep bringing you along until you finally get to the Kabbalah, which is where you'll be taught that this is where the real true ancient wisdom lies. This is one of the most powerful forms of witchcraft on the planet, the Kabbalah. This is what like Madonna practices now, and a lot of the people in Hollywood are getting into the Kabbalah. This is what the high-level people in the Illuminati, and, he, and he, particularly the ones that are um, of the synagogue of Satan, they're Jews, they call themselves Jews, but they're not, they're of the synagogue of Satan. Because a lot of times people say, they'll try to come back and say, oh no, you're, in, you're being anti-Semitic, you don't like, no, I don't, don't even put me in that category. I love the Jewish people. I want them to get saved, but I also love them enough to tell them the truth. Because the truth shall make them free if they continue in His Word. How are you going to continue in His Word if you don't even believe the Word of God? I love them enough to tell them the truth. Galatians 4.16 So, and that reads, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? That's what Galatians 4.16 says. I'm going to set forth the truth as I, as the Lord showed it to me in the, in the scriptures, as it's very obvious. These people are trying to get you in, and this guy is overtly admitting it, he's trying to get you into the Kabbalah. Kabbalists, people that practice this religion, are at the highest levels in the Illuminati. The Rothschilds being this satanic Jewish bloodline. The Rockefellers, a lot of them. Now, a lot of people want to just say, oh, it's all this Jewish, Zionistic, synagogue of Satan conspiracy. Please remember. Let's, let's always remember who is at the top. Satan himself. Some people want to blame it all on the Catholics. Some people want to blame it all on the Zionists. Some people want to blame it on the Illuminati. All of it on the Illuminati. Some people want to blame it all on the supposed coming ascended masters and possibly the alien. Remember, who's the head of it all? Satan. So let's not ever get our eyes off that fact. Okay, I tend not to do that. I tend to, to have more of a balanced approach looking at this. It's a group effort. Yes, there's hierarchies. Yes, there's different levels. But if we get our eyes focused on one thing, oh, it's just the Vatican. I'm telling you, then you get your eyes focused off the big picture. You want to zero in on one group and blame them for all the woes and ills that are coming or, or that are here. It's just, I don't believe it's true because Satan, Satan is at the top of it all. So, David Bivens, let's start this quote again. Students of the Kabbalah speak of parties, which is an acronym derived from the initial letter of each four terms, PRDS. According to the late Professor Gershom Sholkum, pioneer research in the field of Kabbalah. Now, there, he's, it's amazing, he's openly admitting this. Moses Ben Shem Tov of Leon was the first known writer to mention the acronym parties. He did so at about 1290, the year 1290. And remember, this parties is is essentially linked in with the Kabbalah. He did so at about 1290 in a composition called Sephir Parties. Moses ben Shem also wrote the Zohar, which became the most influential work of the Spanish Kabbalists. The Kabbalists were mystics par excellence, or par excellent, if you want to get technical. Sorry. And they pursued vigorously the scriptures' concealed meanings. So where does all this stuff about, oh, we got to get the secret hidden 
meaning of all this. We've got to get the occult or esoteric meaning of the scriptures. Where does that, a lot of that originate from? It's, it originates a lot in the study of the Kabbalah and they're admitting it here. They pursued vigorously scriptures concealed meanings, these, these um, Spanish Kabbalists. They aspired to an elevated, and again, this is, you know, this reminds me of this whole Bible code stuff. Now, I'm not saying out there there's no validity in any of that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying just please be careful because you start into that stuff and a lot of times I see people just wanting to focus just on that and they get totally away from the Word of God. Okay? So I'm just saying be careful because there's a lot of them out there too. A lot of Bible codes. Which one's the right one? Anyway, go ahead. Going further, it says that... um, they pursued vigorously scripture's concealed meanings. They aspired to an elevated spiritual awareness by gaining access to concealed knowledge. Through scrutinizing each letter of the biblical text through esoteric ascents into heaven. What? Yes, it says that they they gained this concealed knowledge. Now, why would God show this hidden and concealed knowledge? Why would the Lord Jesus Christ show this supposed wonderfully hidden, concealed, esoteric knowledge, if it was really there, why would he show it to a Kabbalist who hates Jesus Christ with a passion? Who is of his father the devil and of his works he will do, as Jesus Christ said. Why would Jesus Christ show this hidden, these hidden meanings to a Kabbalist? That's the last person on earth he'd show anything to. The Bible says, to this man will I look, to him that is of a contrite spirit, of a humble spirit, and trembleth at my word, a meek and contrite, trembleth at my word. The Lord, the Lord resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, right? The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. The fear of the God is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, all of those. So we've got the fear of the Lord in conjunction with humility, which the Kabbalists don't have whatsoever. None. They're they're against that. Okay. Why would Jesus Christ show them anything? They themselves are agents of the devil. They are deceived. And if you follow them, you will fall under their spell. Because why? Because of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. If you let these Hebrew roots people overcome you, you will be brought into bondage. And there are some of the, these people are some of the, in the greatest bondage, and then they'll never admit it. Oh no, I'm free, I'm, I've really learned the, the, the true esoteric hidden meanings of the Bible, and I know what Jesus' real name is, and deep down they think they're better. Don't, don't tell me they don't, because they do. I've been there. Okay, I'm not saying I was really into the Hebrew root stuff. I, I got into it a little bit, I admit it. There was one time I had, you know, one of those little, prayer things that you put, you, you nail it on your, your door, and I had one of those, and uh, I had a shofar. Oh yeah, I was Mr. Shofar. Yeah, I could blow it pretty good, too. Yep. I would take that thing into the Pentecostal services, and we'd have our praise and worship, and it would get into this big feeding frenzy, and everybody would be going crazy, and then I would, I would cut loose on that shofar. Da-da, you know. I would do that. I'm serious. I was I was radical. I was a holy rolling charismatic Pentecostal 
almost going into that Hebrew root stuff. Holy roller, the whole nine yards, man. I was, I, so please, I've been there. <laughs> I've been on the front lines of this stuff. It's kind of like, I, I guess it's kind of like somebody that, you ever hear about these people that they, they quit smoking? I never smoked, but they quit smoking and then they turn into the most rabid ones that are against smoking because they've kind of been there and done it. My dad was like that. Um, he, he, he quit smoking and then he turned into, like, he couldn't stand it wherever he went, you know. Well, that's kind of, I guess, because I've been there, done it, and I've seen the deception. I've seen how it overcomes people and overtakes them and how people, their whole lives get wrapped up in the, into this and how it's destroyed people and it's destroyed their faith. Their faith starts getting put into all of this esoteric knowledge. And, oh, am I going to wear a prayer shawl? Do I bring my shofar? Do I have my, my tassels right on, on my prayer shawl? Uh, this and that and this and that. Am I celebrating my feast days okay? All of the stuff the New Testament warns us about emphatically. We're going to go over those verses later. And they, they get wrapped up into this. And their whole life becomes consumed with this. Not on the Word of God anymore, but on all this other stuff. So, this continuing with this quote by David Biven, who's popular among the Hebrew roots, who's basically flat out admitting the, how, how important the Kabbalah is. The Kabbalists, the Kabbalists were mystics par excellence and pursued vigorously scripture's concealed meanings. They aspire to an elevated spiritual awareness, meaning they're going to be, oh, we're, we're elevated, we're better. Why? Because we know this hidden knowledge. By gaining access to concealed knowledge through scrutinizing each letter of the biblical text through esoteric, through, no, through ecstatic ascents into heaven. Now I read that and I said, ecstatic ascents into heaven? Is this like remote viewing? Or like going out of body? You wonder, because Kabbalists at the highest levels would be capable of going out of body. Now, when you go out of body, what that means, if you've ever seen that one Shirley MacLaine show where she goes out of body and essentially... And this is something that high-level occultists can do if they pursue this. Uh, it's been described as being able to temporarily sever the link between soul and spirit for a time period. You actually can go out of body. A lot of witches that get adept at this can actually go out of body and actually attack their enemies. If they're not protected by the Lord Jesus Christ, they can actually literally go and attack their enemies. And when they're out of body, one of the things that, that Shirley MacLaine described is she had the silver cord that was attaching her spirit to her body. Now, the Bible talks about this in Ecclesiastes. When Solomon, the, the very last chapter of Ecclesiastes, and I'll just read that for you real quick. And, and again, this is more of a side note type of thing. This isn't something that I want to start a whole teaching on here. But it's it's kind of interesting because it does line up. And again, sometimes the occultists will confirm even things that the Bible says. I'm not saying you want to go there for your information. But speaking about the natural man and the process of death, in the very last chapter of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, it says, or if the silver cord ever be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. This is basically describing death. If, if any of this happens, what happens? Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, if the silver cord ever be loosed, then this, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Well, that means if your silver cord is ever broken, then you're you're dead. Okay. Well, Shirley MacLaine, when she did this, she had the silver cord that was attached to her, and and you interview high-level occultists that have been able to do this, they'll tell you the same thing. And if that silver cord is broken when they're on one of these um, out-of-body experiences, they're dead. They're dead. But that confirms the Bible. When it said that they scrutinize each letter of the biblical test and through a static ascent into heaven, this is how they get this knowledge. I just wondered... Are they going out of body? Are they doing some type of what they call remote viewing? Remote viewing is a little different. You're not actually going out of body, but you're actually going into this trance-like state and, and viewing in your mind another part of the earth. It's like your spine. In fact, our military invested millions and millions and millions of dollars that they have openly admitted to. I saw, I've seen documentaries on it on TV that they put into this remote viewing project. What is it? It's pure witchcraft. Our government has put in to training people into this high-level occult practice of remote viewing where they can actually go. And I, I saw that uh, Russ Dazar um, on Shadow of the Darkness, I believe he's got some teachings on this remote viewing. Now, I haven't heard him yet, but that was neat that he did that. That's not his teaching I've done. Uh, I haven't really had any requests to do it, but... It would be an interesting teaching to do, but he's probably, I'm sure he's got some great information on that. Uh, interesting stuff here. Very, very, very interesting stuff. Again, I'm speculating there, but it sounds like a form of remote viewing and or going out of body that they're describing here. Then it goes on to say in this quote, they're longing for esoteric knowledge, and that is the, that's the big thing, that's the big carrot that Satan always puts out there. That's the big, you know, reward or prize. He always puts out there in all of these people in their respective cults. It's always the same deal. Just a different flavor. Their longing for esoteric knowledge may be traced back in part to earlier Gnostic spe speculations. Such speculations left their imprints on the Kabbalah. The acronym PARDES belongs exclusively to the domain of the Kabbalah. Now remember that. This acronym of parties belongs exclusively to the remain of the uh, domain of the Kabbalah. Now this article is quoted from Medieval Jargon on First Century Lips, author David Biven, Jerusalem Perspective, I guess that's a publication, page 33, how appropriate, page 33, the 33rd degree Freemasons, uh, July, September, 1999, number 56. Now, going further, many are teaching within the Hebrew roots that one must also utilize parties as a tool of, of study for the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. So now, many are teaching within the Hebrew roots. It may not be the flavor you're into, but just remember, you're yoking yourself up with unbelievers, essentially. When you when you go into the Hebrew Roots movement, they don't believe in the same Jesus you believe in. They believe it's all been corrupted anyway. The, your, your word of God's all been corrupted. They've got to redo it for you. They've got to reinterpret it for you. And then they've got to bring in all these other extra-biblical things, all these extra-highly occultic, unbiblical things, in order for you to interpret, like in this case, the Torah. 
They're teaching that this parties, which is integral into the do domain of the Kabbalah, is an essential tool for the Torah study. With the qualifier that this would be within normative rabbinic Judaism and should be in ours, meaning in the Hebrew Roots movement. In other words, this using this parties, which is part of the, uh, which is integral in the, in, in the uh, study of the Kabbalah, using this parties as a tool for Torah study, that this would just be within normative rabbinic Judaism. In other words, this is just the normal way the rabbinic, uh, the rabbis of Judaism are being taught. It's just matter-of-factly. And it should be within ours, within the Hebrew Roots movement as well. Not necessarily just the Kabbalah, but they've got to, you know, they've got to utilize um, all of this together. Then it goes on to say, the Kabbalah will be discussed, and it needs to be understood that parties is an acronym for the understanding of the scriptures via Kabbalistic means. So, when people say, oh, we, we've got nothing to do with the Kabbalah, well, you may think that, but you haven't went high enough yet either. I'm going to go ahead and uh, stop there, and we're going to go to part two next.